Welcome to For Your Amusement, a theme park podcast that aims to exhaustively evaluate the world's most popular theme park attractions to determine if they are world class. I'm Ryan Bergara. I'm Byron Marin. And for this episode's featured attraction, we infiltrate the First Order to discuss Rise of the Resistance in Disneyland, California and Disney's Hollywood Studios, Florida. And joining us today for our rendezvous at the Bacara is none other than Peter Serretta and Kitra Remick from Ordinary Adventures. Thank you guys for joining us. Hey, everybody. Thank you. We're so excited. Bright suns. <laughs> right, right, bright suns, indeed. Uh, what is? What do they say to when, when you say goodbye over there in Batu? That is rising moons, I believe. Right. Oh, no, that's at nighttime. It's oh. till the spire. Oh, till the spire. Sorry, till the wow. spires. We'll have to say, we'll have to remember to say <laughs> yes. that at the end for those of uh, you listening that are wildly confused at that. Maybe you haven't heard, but there is a native language on Batu, which is where Galaxy's Edge is uh, situated in, and uh, I believe bright suns is the greeting that people say to each other. Shane Maday says that to everybody when he walks into the office. Bright suns. Now, I will say, when we have guests on this podcast, we ask them what ride they'd like to cover, and you guys chose Rise of the Resistance. Can you give a little background on why this ride is special to you and why you wanted to talk about it? We both love Star Wars. Our first date was actually at Star Wars Celebration in... What year was that? I don't know what year it was. 2015. 2015. In Disneyland. Okay, I was about to ask Hollywood Studios or what. Great. Yeah, we love Star Wars, and we started this YouTube channel, Ordinary Adventures, right before Galaxy's Edge. Actually, because of Galaxy's Edge opening, like I, I was running Slash Film, and we got invited to an early preview of Galaxy's Edge, and I was like, "No one's going to want to read about this; they want to see it." Yeah, so we started it because of Galaxy's Edge, and this was before, obviously, Rise of the Resistance, because it didn't open up with Galaxy's Edge, but um, it, it's kind of become a part of us. Yeah, we um, when the ride first opened, we went every day for I want to say like three <laughs> weeks straight to just to go on the ride and just to document it for YouTube. You could go back and watch. We have tons of videos on it. That's amazing. And we think this is one of the greatest rides of all time. I get on every day though because you had we that, didn't yeah you had that uh, <laughs> virtual queue and yeah like everybody was standing on Main Street you know ready to rope drop. This is what the crowds on Main Street look like at 6 a.m. The park doesn't open until 8 a.m. The entire line outside has been let in. So I, I think at this point, it's just a matter of who can press the boarding party button first on the app. It's going to be complete madness. Virtual queue will be used for the all-new Star Wars Rise of the Resistance attraction. Beginning at 8 o'clock this morning, guests may join the queue through the Disneyland app. And you'd hear people cheering, and then when you didn't get it, everybody would be, like, happy around you, and you'd be, like, there sulking that you, like, lost the lottery. <laughs> Mine's not loading. Group. Mine's not loading. Yeah, wait, 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 go, Continue. Go, go, go. Find out more. Join boarding group. How many people do we have? Wait. Got it. Got it. I can't hit continue. We're already in the boarding group. Group 35. I'm already Oh, yeah, it was like the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's funny that you would say that because yeah, I, so bad. I, I actually had gone to Disneyland three times to try and get on this ride and all three times had lost the lottery. No. And then the, oh, pan- then the pandemic happened. And then so I did not get on this ride until after the pandemic because <laughs> I had three walks of shame. It was a. Uh, devastating to hear those cheers so you guys were in a group that was cheering i probably was nearby crying into a popcorn bucket i mean i guess the the best thing about it though is like ah you failed guess you're just gonna have to be in disneyland now so not the worst thing on earth but you know not not ideal either 
Um, but no, that's great. This is basically part of your guy's origin story then, essentially. And it was like a weird, weird thing like where the park, the Galaxy's Edge opened and we had reservation for Galaxy's Edge and a friend of ours had to reservate. Everybody had reservations. So we ended up going like 10 times in those two weeks. Those videos all blew up. So it became yeah, like a part of Yeah, we never intended us. to like yeah. be a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge like YouTube channel. It just kind of happens. <laughs> I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is easily one of the best rides of all time, and I hope we do it justice. A- as you know, we do have a-, a silly little rubric, or maybe you don't know, there's a silly little rubric at the end of this episode, which you could all stay tuned for, in which we will decide if this is a world-class... Pass, 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 pass. <laughs> all right, well, I'm glad that you're taking it in stride, and you're going you're gonna to treat the tests fairly, Peter. With that... <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into uh, some history, Byron. And- May 25th, 1977. George Whoa, we're Lu- going way back. Oh, Holy shit. we're going way back. We're going over 40 years back. May okay. 25th, 1977. George Lucas unleashes Star Wars upon the world, breaking box office records left and right, in addition to spawning one of the largest movie franchises of all time. Before you go on, do you know it opened the same weekend as Star Wars? No, no way. <laughs> No way do I know. I don't know that. A, 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 a movie that got beaten you, into you did the an ground on this attraction. Wait, what? Whoa! Wait a second. Okay, let me think. We we should have known that Peter would come up come up with a movie question off the bat. That's right. If for those of you who don't know, Peter was the founder of Slash Film, no. a, a popular okay, I, film I think publication. You're taking the question. I think you're taking the question differently than I think what I meant to which attraction opened the same weekend oh as- I thought you meant which film opened a sign oh beside it. Yeah. that's good okay so 77 that would have been because well it wouldn't have been Mr. Toad it would have been Space Mountain Space yep. Mountain yeah that's wow well yeah, now you're Space talking Mountain our language <laughs> that's right it was a very it was quite the intergalactic uh weekend wow that's crazy Oh, that probably helped it quite a bit. I wonder if people actually thought that had anything anything to do with Star Wars and there was some synergy there. Huh. I wonder. <laughs> Who knows? And then when Space Mountain opened, that broke the weekend attendance for Disneyland for that weekend. It had like nearly 200,000 guests over that course of that weekend. Do you know who was there the opening day of Disneyland? Opening day of Disneyland or opening George day? George Lucas. Well, yes, yes. He loves it. George George is known to pop up in, in a bunch of different places. Synergy. I think that guy pops up in more random videos than anybody known to man. Have you seen the oh, have, yeah. have you seen that clip of that yes. guy who was making a documentary and then he just happens to catch George Lucas standing directly in the center of frame so and then walk good. out? I can't believe that wasn't so planned. It's like some French documentary, no. right? It's insane. Anyways, uh continuing on, Byron. January 9th, 1987, Michael Eisner is CEO of the Walt Disney Company and uses the relationship he built with George Lucas during his tenure at Paramount Pictures to bring a groundbreaking Star Wars experience to Disneyland Park in the form of Star Tours, which was accomplished via the collaboration of Lucas, Industrial Light and Magic, Tony Baxter and the Imagineers, and executed with the help of military-grade flight simulators, creating a revolutionary ride experience. July 22nd, 1994... Disney MGM Studios gets the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, which introduces a groundbreaking ride system of its own. Via the help of an elevator company being instructed to do the opposite of what elevator companies should be doing, making people drop. In addition to falling faster than the speed of gravity, riders are treated to a trackless ride system, accomplished with the use of magnets following a tiny wire on the floor. This system was introduced in 1982 with Universe of Energy at Epcot and used again in 1989's The Great Movie Ride, respectively. 
Implementing this ride system into Tower of Terror allowed ride vehicles to enter and exit multiple elevator drop shafts as if they had a mind of their own. Wait, hold on. Before we go any further here, I'm just curious. You guys are the Star Wars folks here. What the hell are they going to do with Star Tours? It's so it's so weird. Very strange. I don't like that. My brain doesn't like that. There's a Star Wars attraction in Tomorrowland, and then we have a whole land. But at the same time, I don't want them to ever get rid of that ride because I love that ride. What I would love for them to do, they wouldn't do this because this would involve a lot of money, and it's not worth it for them. Is to (laughs) relocate Star Tours to the entrance. Of, Ga- of Batu, and that way like you go on star tours and then you land in Batu, and you get <gasps> off and you, you are there that's oh that's great very, yeah oh, kind of like the hogwarts express because it is like essentially like a travel space yeah. port but we're not here to talk about that <laughs> anyways continue forward Byron. <laughs> september 4th 2000 tokyo disneyland opens Pooh's honey hunt unlike our winnie the pooh ride here in the states Pooh's honey hunt introduces well what we refer to today as the world's first trackless dark ride system because unlike the previous iterations of this ride system the ride vehicles are no longer guided by a wire but controlled in real time via a massive central computer system that dictates movements based on wireless transmissions sent by sensors planted throughout the quote-unquote layout of the ride wait that's the puck right the puck system Think of it as like small location, like GPS, like on a much like GPS on a much smaller scale. So it's basically telling the big computer in the middle, oh, this is where, you know, it's triangulating and showing where the ride vehicle is. And then the computer's then telling the ride vehicle, do this because you're here or, you know. I mean, I'm not a freaking expert on I didn't design the ride. But, <laughs> I mean, if you guys have any extra insight there, by all means. <laughs> well, we just went to Japan and we actually did Pooh's Honey Hunt and it is, it holds up. Like, it's, it's amazing how old that ride is. Wait, I, it, I, it is I haven't been on it. I haven't been on it. I've ever been on. I have not been on that ride. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoiling. But I will, I will say it is amazing. I, Pooh's Honey Hunt. So I'm right good. there. I'm right there with you. It's it's an incredible ride. I'm sure, of course you like so. it, Byron. That's your nickname. Pooh Bear. Whatever. All of our friends call <laughs> Byron Pooh Bear, because he's uh, he lumbers around and and he he looks for tasty little treats. I love that. <laughs> but Japan's like twenty years in the future because we didn't get this technology until like nineteen years later. Oriental Land Company like had ridiculous budgets, so they were spared no to, expense. They were able to really go heavy on the development. May thirty first, two thousand seven. The theme park landscape gets a shock to the system when Universal Creative lead Scott Throwbridge announces that the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is coming to the Universal Orlando Resort, which opens to ecstatic fanfare on June eighteenth, two thousand ten, skyrocketing Universal's park attendance and serving as Disney's first legitimate dose of competition since the opening of Universal Studios Florida back in 1990. Disney was very impressed with Universal's game-changing immersive land, so much so that only four months after the Wizarding World announcement video, the Orlando Sentinel reported that its creative mastermind, Scott Throwbridge, was leaving Universal Creative in order to join Walt Disney Imagineering. October 30th... I didn't realize they poached him. I I, I didn't say that. (laughs) What do you? Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, well, once again, who, who's to say? Who's to say? It's just I'm just going on the timeline here. So that's interesting. I thought they just saw, oh, that's a cool land. We should build our own. I didn't realize they were like, we need that guy. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna- I, I once again, I'm just, I just noticed that there was. I was looking at the timeline of things. I've never seen this in a video. I've never read this in an article. I'm just like, hmm, that's an interesting timeline. What do you think they're gonna send you a cease and desist right now? They're not uh, listening to this podcast. There's no. Well, maybe they are. <laughs> Fucking, I. If you are, I'd like put the magic keys back on sale. Over speculate. (laughs) 
<laughs> but talk about that guy. He, he Scott created the Amazing Spider-Man ride in the Universal Islands of Adventure, which is one of the best rides ever, and it Rise is. of the Resistance. Yeah. I mean, insane. I remember as a kid watching like a Travel Channel video, and oh, he was I there did, with like a too. big ponytail talking about the incredible, <laughs> with the, the incredible Hulk coaster and talking about that lo- that launch system. What the hell do we do for a living? I mean, is this a job? Booge! Gone before you even have a chance to even think about it. Uh, pretty crazy. It's the same. It's the same guy. That Spider-Man ride kicks ass. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. October thirtieth, two thousand twelve. Disney buys Lucasfilm for a massive sum of over four billion dollars. In addition to Lucasfilm immediately getting back to work on new Star Wars films, Walt Disney Imagineering now has the IP they need in order to provide an adequate answer to Universal's juggernaut of a Wizarding World. Walt Disney Imagineering creates a new studio that is strictly dedicated to developing Lucasfilm and Star Wars projects for their parks and is led by none other than Scott Throwbridge. August 15th, 2015, Disney CEO Bob Iger announces Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at the D23 Expo. He also goes on to specify that this highly immersive Star Wars land was not only going to be built at Disneyland in California but also in Disney Hollywood Studios in Orlando. Now wait a second here cuz Peter as you were at you were with, you had slash film at the time were you at that yeah, D23 yeah. expo when he announced this? We were. It was amazing. Oh it, was, my it, it God. was iconic. It was like we're not just building one, we're building two. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. would you you I'm imagining you've been in a bunch of those D23 expos. Have you ever seen a room more electric than that room when this announcement was made? Has there been anything that rivaled it? Oh, that's a good question. Well, uh, lately they're not announcing anything, so I would that say is that. true. <laughs> that's true. Like we were also there when they announced the Galactic Star Cruiser, and people were pretty excited about that too. Yeah. Anyways, uh, continue, Byron. <laughs> The land is designed to feature two state-of-the-art attractions, one being Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which puts you into the cockpit of the iconic spaceship, the second being the land's big e-ticket experience, a massive and mysterious headliner, if you will. But when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens in its respective parks during the summer of 2019, park guests are only treated to the Millennium Falcon attraction, as this mysterious headliner was not ready in time to open with the new land. What do you guys think of Smuggler's Run? I think we both like Smuggler's Run, but I think it needs an update. Like, I wish it was more like Star Tours where they would change it. Like, it'd be kind of random. Because I've been doing the same mission for Hondo for how many years now? I'm pretty good at it. How much coaxium does that (laughs) Hondo need? I have millions of things of coaxium. Yeah. At one time, we got three. I mean, I don't don't think that's possible, but. (laughs) Finally, on December 5th, 2019 at Hollywood Studios and January 17th, 2020 at Disneyland, we get Rise of the Resistance, an attraction more ambitious than perhaps any attraction before it that sends you on a multi-leveled resistance mission to defeat the First Order. It quickly becomes apparent why this attraction experienced the opening delay that it did, because in order to pull off this immersive 18-minute experience, Imagineers implemented the motion simulator dark ride system introduced with Star Tours in 87, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror drop tower ride system introduced in 94, and stitched it all together with the trackless dark ride system introduced with Pooh's Honey Hunt in 2000. The result is what many consider to be the world's most innovative and impressive attraction. Yeah, multiple ride systems. Crazy shit. I just don't know why Byron <laughs> listed off like all these like dates of stuff that are not connected together and 
any way whatsoever. <laughs> it was a long winding I a, road. I was a little worried myself. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are we talking about Pooh's, Pooh's Honey Hunt? I know that's your guy. Yeah, how, how, how is that connected? <laughs> Uh, it's pretty impressive what they've done here. And and now that he has yeah. presented that very highly researched and polished history section, it's time to go for some fun facts with me. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsors. And we are back. It's fun fact time. Now, I will caution you guys and the listeners and viewers that these are fun facts. So some of them I found online. I'm not sure about them. I will call them out. <laughs> I will say, hey, I don't know about this one, but people think this. Hence the term fun. You should just have Kevin from Defunctland pop up every once in a while and be like, that's not true. Yeah, we'll have him, we'll have <laughs> him on, the, on, on the internet. You mean like Clippy? Remember that guy? The Microsoft Word guy? Clippy? Yes. That uh, funny guy. What are you talking about? We got the best two Rise the Resistance fact checkers on the planet. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> First fact that I uh, wrote here. Um, coming from the Ray pre-show onward, the entire experience is 18 minutes long. Uh, but the actual ride portion is about seven minutes. And Disney touts this as the uh, largest experience that they've ever created. Or one of the largest is, I guess, the actual verbiage there. Um, yeah, because yeah. have you ever been on Ellen's Energy Adventure? Yeah, or even uh, <laughs> uh, or Living with the Land. I think Living with the Land is longer than this, oh, too. Love I love that ride. God, I fucking love Living with the Land. I'll live with the Land any day <sighs> so of the week. Mm-hmm. I took an entire boat full of, of dudes on that ride for my bachelor party. They were not pleased. <laughs> because <laughs> they're oh, very yeah. much they're they're not theme park sickos they're normal people and they were like why are we not on rise they didn't the try to like jump off the boat and like steal a zucchini or something no but they definitely <laughs> stole some very dirty glances towards my direction after they're like because they thought i was trolling they thought i was like no this ride is incredible um but yeah this this experience is, is apparently 18 minutes long counting the pre-shows um, the ride has a capacity of about 1,100 to 1,500 riders per hour with a speed that I could not find online, surprisingly. But if I had to guess, it would probably be around the 8 to 10 mile per hour range. These these trackless vehicles move pretty fast from my recollection. Do you think that's about accurate, Byron? Sure. <laughs> Great. Good enough for me. Uh, the, the, the ride cost... The ride cost two hundred to four hundred fifty million dollars to build, with the high end originating from a Wall Street Journal article that spoke to a former Disney employee who worked on the project. But when breaking it down, it seems much more likely that the four hundred fifty million dollar estimate is accurate. Uh, I, I also read that even just the permitting for the construction cost seventy eight million dollars. Uh, wow! Wow! So this would make it. I think this makes it the most expensive Disney attraction ever built at the time, at least. Uh, yeah, at the time, because what Cosmic Rewind they rumored to be five hundred million. Oh God, I love that ride. But yes, uh, yeah, at the time, <laughs> at the time, this was four hundred fifty million dollars to spend on a ride, a pretty penny. Uh, it required over five million lines of code, the, the largest concrete pour in Disney history, and contained sixty-five animatronics according to CNN, as well as three A1000 animatronics, Disney's most advanced animatronic system ever made, notably the Kylo Ren animatronics that are in this ride. And for those curious about A1000 animatronics, there's an uh, there's an expert from blogmickey.com that explains that conventional animatronic motors are used to move limbs, and uh, they're large, and they emit a lot of heat. So Walt Disney Imagineering uh, worked alongside a vendor to develop thin pancake motors, which are these little tiny motors that are capable Ooh. of fitting inside the animatronic, but still provide the power needed to achieve fluid human-like movements without the overheating issue, uh, which is why these bad boys 
are so realistic looking. Like the Hondo Anaka uh, animatronic is an A1000 <sighs> animatronic. And I believe the Kylo Ren animatronic that is uh, by the blast uh, that almost gets sucked into, sucked into space. And also the Kylo Ren that's on the bridge of the ship is also an A1000 animatronic. Really cool stuff. They've gone a long way with, with these guys. I remember when I saw the Hondo animatronic. I legitimately thought that was an actor when I first walked in. <laughs> I don't know if you guys had that same reaction, but I was so impressed yeah. by the fluidity of the movements of that bad boy. The scenes in the ride were shot between The Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. I think some of it was shot during Last Jedi and some of it was shot during Rise of Skywalker, which is uh, actually when this ride is canonically supposed to take place between the two films. Uh, it's, you know, I guess it happens right after. I forget the name of that battle in Last Jedi. It's like the crate battle. Is that what the it's crate, yeah. I think yeah. the whole land is technically like supposed to be between that time frame. It's a moment frozen in time before tragedy, if you will, because uh, I unfortunately <laughs> did see Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I'm actually curious, Peter. Did you like Rise of Skywalker? Uh, we. This is probably a bad question. We both love. Rise we, of Skywalker. I, I, I didn't hate it as much as. Listen, I didn't hate it. She loves it. I, <laughs> the whole sequel, the whole sequel trilogy, like, is very special to me. Like, yeah, we started yeah. dating right when Force Awakens came out, so like, and we were lucky enough to go to all three of those premieres. And like, I, I don't know. I I feel like they could have done a better job, like a more cohesive, like the directors could have talked to each other and written a better story. Yes. Like that's. So, I don't know. But I didn't hate it as much as everyone else. But I'm sorry. <laughs> don't cancel me. I know. Wait, I'm sorry. Kitra, you just basically said, I think they could have done a better job telling a story. But um, I think other than that. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I, I'll, say but, it, I'll say it better. But than... I don't hate it. But I enjoyed it. I think I thought it was great. I'll you... say it better than her. I think J.J. <laughs> Abrams with Force Awakens established one story. And then Ryan Johnson. Did another one. I'm not a Ryan Johnson hater. I love Ryan Johnson. Love Ryan We're friends Johnson. with Ryan Johnson. Uh I think he took a swerve and it if you're making a trilogy I think last the last Jedi <laughs> should have been the final movie. Like I, I love that. Well, that would have been worked better as a final movie yeah. than I don't know. I just feel like you need some a choices cohesive, made in Rise yeah. of Skywalker, but I I did like it. I haven't watched it in a while, but you're backpedaling now. She <laughs> loves Rise of Skywalker. And somehow Palpatine <laughs> returned. Anyways, uh, yeah. yes, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move on. I'll just say this: Last Jedi kicks ass. I love Last Jedi. Rise of Skywalker could have could have used a refund, but uh, the Force Awakens <laughs> is actually my favorite. I love Force Awakens. Yeah, I, I, I like Force, Force Awakens. Awakens as well. I'm right there with you. For, yeah. Force Awakens for me, but yeah, you know, Last Jedi <laughs> has a lot going for it. It's got the porks. It's got shirtless Kylo Ren showing off those pecs. <laughs> Thick Ren, That's true. Thick Kylo. Rise of Skywalker has Babu Freck. Mm. So, just gotta say. That's yeah, very sh- true. We got Babu Freck. Yeah, but it doesn't have greased up <laughs> Adam Driver. <laughs> Anyways, uh, trivia time. Good kiss. Uh, do we have any guesses on how many stormtroopers are in the hangar bay of the Star Destroyer when you step out of that transport? Um, this is like, guess how many jelly beans are in the jar? 100? Oh, no. no. You said <laughs> 70 no. animatronics, oh, so... No. I'm guessing uh, like 60. I can't do math. 60? 49. Byron's the closest. It is 50. It is 50. Damn. Uh, and some of them oh, are animatronics. Okay. So was... 
Not all of them are animatronics, but some of them are animatronics yeah. in that their heads and hands move. It's an amazing scene. Uh, yeah. The scale of the attraction is massive, obviously. The show building is one of the largest built in Disney history at 165,000 square feet. The all-terrain walkers are full scale and stand at 72 feet tall. The hangar of the Star Destroyer sports a 100-foot widescreen of outer space, as well as a full-scale TIE fighter. The attraction uses the same trackless technology utilized in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway, ra- uh, Runaway Railway, and Byron, like Byron mentioned, uh, Pooh's Honey Hunt. Mystic Manor, Ratatouille. Exactly. And th- this works by uh, <laughs> vehicles moving on a programmed route using RFID pucks embedded in the floor to communicate position. It's called LPS, a local positioning system. Speaking of LPS, the cannons that move in and out uh, also run on LPS. Uh, and and I guess the the idea here was to have the vehicles kind of cat and mouse, as Imagineers often said, around these moving cannons. However, I have never seen these cannons operational. <laughs> they are they've almost... been broken for a while. I think they've been broken for a well, while. This ride notoriously breaks down. And I think this is one thing that they may have disabled. It might have been oh, causing really? issues. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know for a fact. I, I think it might I haven't be. seen it working once since the pandemic. I think it's but. probably it's got the Yeti treatment. It's on permanent B mode. Uh, it's just it's, they're oh, no. just they're just stuck because like I think because they run on the same LPS system, it's just it got too much for that to communicate with the LPS system of the ride vehicles, and I think it just overloaded the computer. Also, I re- I read that there's a lot of dead spots in Wi-Fi in the ride, and they tried to fix them, but still sometimes causes issues, which is why the ride breaks down all the time. Anyways, I'd love to yeah. see these cannons. I can never see them. Uh, the projections of Kylo. Wait, can I say something well, we about have that ATAT? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Can I say something about that ATAT room? Yeah, <laughs> because you mentioned like all these are trackless ride systems, but I feel like for the most part, the trackless ride systems don't really take advantage of there being no track. Uh, sure, have all of them dance at some point. That's true. <laughs> no, you're in Mickey <laughs> Minnie. You're in a yeah. dance studio. You dance or whatever. But I feel like the ATAT room in Rise of the Resistance is the only one where like. You go into that room and you don't know where you're going to go. Do you know what I mean? At first, you're going to go to that door. Then the door shuts in front of you and then stormtroopers are falling. Then you end up going up this elevator. I, don't know, I think that is the brilliance of that trackless ride system at use in, in that that one room because it like, really gives you a sense of like, I don't know where we're going. Also, there's two different outcomes of places you go in there. There's one mm-hmm. where you see yeah. the, the Finn animatronic and then I believe there's another version where you, you, you get a different view of it or... There, there are two different versions of an outcome in that yeah. room, which also adds to the kind of like, which way are we going to go? Uh, I, I love it. I think, I think, I think this is probably the best implementation of the trackless ride vehicles. I did say that about Mickey and Minnie, but upon reflection, <laughs> I don't know. Let me retract that. I am. I, I actually go on Pooh's Honey Hunt. Yes, the thing is, I, I think Pooh's Honey Hunt's right up there for me, and I will not spoil yeah, anything. We also ride. did. Uh, Mystic Manor, I've not been on, but I heard that one's really cool. I want to go on that so bad. Um, well, we also just did the the new Beauty and the Beast ride in Tokyo, yeah. which is Ooh. also a trackless dark ride. That oh, one's pretty good, right. but there was a lot of dancing in that one. There is dancing. <laughs> Moving on, the projections of Kylo and Hux in the interrogation room are called Musion projections, basically an evolution of the Pepper's Ghost effect, where images are projected onto a 45-degree plane of glass to make them seem to inhabit physical space, and the shadows of Kylo and Hux, which further sell this effect, are separate projections perfectly synced to Kylo and Hux's so movements. An incredible effect. One of the more convincing uh, uses of this Musion projection that I've seen. And then, you know, it's 
also, you know, great performances from the two of those. But we'll get into that for the good and the bad. Uh, speaking of projections, the moment when Kylo walks towards you with a lightsaber is also a projection. But he is moving in the sense that the glass is moving. He's projected uh, onto a moving piece of glass that's moving towards you. And that is synced with the movement of a physical lightsaber, which is a, a practical effect. So it's kind of a combination of the two of them. Uh, Imagineers developed all types of proprietary effects used in this attraction, like the fan-like apparatus used to create the illusion of a moving beam of light in the air to simulate laser blasts. And this is accomplished by... Have you guys ever seen those, like, um, when you were a kid, you would uh, have, like, a wand that would have, like, uh, like uh, basically, like, fan blades on it or even, like, uh, like kind of, like, stringy blades on it, and you would you press a button and it would spin so fast that you could project words on it? Mm-hmm. That's basically the same yeah. thing they use to create these laser blasts, which I had no idea that's how they did. That's it. so cool. Because uh, the, the blades spin so fast that, that they become invisible, but you can project something onto it. Um, when you first step onto the large transport vehicle to go from the Rebel base to Bakara, you leave through the same door you came in, and yet you're now on the Star Destroyer captured by the First Order. This shocking effect is accomplished by the large ride vehicle being on top of a turntable. And the transport is just a facade that conceals the circular show building, which you are inside of. You can actually clock this by looking at the ground as you cross the threshold. You'll see a circular outline on the border where the, the lines meet, which is, it's perfectly synced to the movement of the uh, of the projections that you're seeing inside that little transport vehicle. Uh, did you guys know that, by the way? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm curious. Well, blows my mind every time it blows my mind because everybody always looks at the other door they think like that's the door that's going to open but then when the door that they came in open it's so mind-blowing but uh one effect that many people don't notice is when you're in that shuttle because they had to fit three shuttles on that turntable that you're talking about yeah yeah so there's three different um there isn't enough room to have the full ship so when you're looking out the front of the ship and you see uh lieutenant beck and then there's nine numb uh driving the ship yeah nine numb isn't actually there he's actually on the floor and they're using a mirror to make it look like he's there in the front Whoa, of the ship if that makes wow. any sense that's crazy yeah. i did not know but that that's in- <laughs> that's incredible i'm gonna have to look at that <laughs> next time i'm on there i would have never even guessed that that's a mirror also i love yeah. that animatronic i feel like too. scott trowbridge is a magician because there's so many different magic tricks and illusions in this ride. Just like so well integrated. It harkens back to Pepper's ghost effect, which was a magician trick. Um, And uh, last but not least here, my last fun fact, this is a, my personal favorite effect in the whole ride. I know it's simple, but I love it. It's a, when Kylo's lightsaber pierces the ceiling and cuts through the ceiling of the, uh, the turbo lift, this is accomplished by having the route of the saber pre-cut into the ceiling and then having a layer rotate around to conceal the path. The lightsaber comes through an exposed hole and then the layer rotates along with the saber to create the cutting effect. Uh, and the saber, if you look at the saber, it has that same kind of erratic display, the signature erratic display of Kylo's lightsaber. This is accomplished by the blade itself rotating as well as uh, being paired with sound effects. So, you know, like you said, wow. it's just there's there's magic at, at hand here on this ride. And they, and they really did think of every little detail except for making those cannons move. Which, which is just a classic Disney fan thing. Like, wow, they did all this amazing stuff. Would be sick if those cannons moved, though. But let's move on to uh, current reputation. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsors. And we are back 
Let's talk about the current reputation. Byron, uh, let's discuss how popular the attraction is today. What are the average wait times of this attraction? Where does it fit within the landscape? And how do people generally feel about this attraction? Okay, so for any viewers or listeners that were around when this ride first opened, it was absolute mayhem in regards to getting on to. <laughs> it broke people's hearts as it did. Um, I will bring up my experience in, first impre- uh, in the first impression segment, but let's just say that within a matter of a second or two, if you did not hit that button, it was essentially like a lottery that within us, like you, you had to get you had to get to the park at the crack of dawn. You had to basically as soon as the time the allotted time hit to try and join a boarding boarding group you had to hit the button on your app and no joke within a second or two you knew your fate for the day and you know a fraction of the people got it a fraction of the people had to go home pretty much or just do other stuff in the park (laughs) but everyone was there to get on that ride so it was it was a big uh, mix of emotions i know you 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 touched up on that earlier where you have you have a lot of people cheering, you have a lot of people really bummed out. I know you're one of those. For oh yeah, a few di- a few separate rounds. Um, so obviously this was, and also this ride did not open with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, so there was just so much anticipation for what was to come. So um, when people finally were able to get onto it, though, it did not disappoint uh, in regards to public of opinion at large. Um, for Hollywood Studios, the highest recorded wait time, and this is after the whole boarding group uh, period. So once standby was introduced, um, which it, which it is now for both parks, um, highest recorded standby wait time for Hollywood Studios is 420 minutes. That is oh, seven holy hours. And, and sometimes I get skeptical of these. Seven hours? Sometimes, wait, like, there's uh, no way that's right. Seven hours. Is that right? Someone told what's up Doing some quick I math. can't do math. Did I do bad math there? No, no, no. You're no. You're right. No, you're so right. Yeah, you're seven right. Seven hours. Yeah, 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 right? You're right. You're right. I can't okay. do math. I tried to do some quick math and I did wrong math. This was on. <laughs> o- <laughs> so this seven-hour wait time was on October 14th. This is the Hollywood Studios version, by the way. October 14th of 2022 at 11:30 a.m. Wow. Um, usually, I get we get these uh, get this data from th- uh, thrilldata.com. Um, in regards to this wait time, because I'm usually skeptical when they're extremely high like this. I actually was able to source other places uh, and find an actual screenshot that the Disney app produced of this 420 minutes at 11:30 a.m. That's on. absolutely absurd. Um, Could you imagine a family planning to just like come to Disneyland to ride Rise of the Resistance, and they only are here for like a day or two, and they have to spend one day in this line? <laughs> That's bananas. What, what, what is worse? What is worse? You paying to come to Disneyland and it's like you're one day in Disneyland with your uh, the family and you get there at 7 a.m. and you press the button and you've lost the lottery yeah. or you can wait the five hours and like, like which or one's worse? you could just yeah. pay for the lightning lane and pay 20 bucks and just skip the line entirely. Well, uh, Kittra, Kittra yeah. you might as well have said I mean, that, that in, that's the, what, in the voice of Mickey Mouse. That's what Disney's banking on for <laughs> sure. <laughs> or you could spend the $15 <laughs> and you, you, know, yeah, you got a family of five. That's only $100. Not that bad. It's, most, it's so evil. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm a big proponent of like people should be able to wait as long as they need to to get on a ride. So I'm, I'm glad they introduced the standby but good lord it's seven it's hours is absurd and i think a big reason why it hit seven hours on this day is apparently minutes after this 420 minute posted time on the disney app the mm-hmm. ride shut down uh mm-hmm. for an extended period uh, that makes period sense. of the day and then when it opened up it was for the rest of the day more like an 100 minute wait yikes 
Um, but still crazy long line. Uh, yeah. If you saw that ride go down on that day, I would have just like done a few laps on a Muppet vision 3d and just hope that it happens to open up. I love, <laughs> I have done this on rise of the resistance a few times where I just, I did this actually, uh, last month I did do Muppet vision 3d with hopes that <laughs> rise of the resistance would open up. And after I got out of Muppets, I'm walking up and they just start opening the chain up again to let people in. And it, it was like a two hour nice. wait all day. And I just walked on actually fresh baked our pal. Who's a friend of the pod. Uh, he actually just did a study <laughs> on this. And apparently if the ride closes, once it reopens, you have 15 minutes to get onto it before you've lost your advantage. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, like, if Dang. you do, if you see the ride is down, that's probably the best way to get on this ride. You just kind of like hang around and hope that it will reopen. He did say that it takes about forty five minutes to reset. So, if it goes yeah. down, it's gonna take yeah. at least forty five minutes, and then you want to be there when it reopens. Uh, yeah, go get a Ron to wrap and then come back. Right. That was oh, those too, because oh, he went so on the ride like thirty times. <laughs> that's right. To get the data. Uh, Ronto wraps, but are it's incredible. brutal when it breaks down. <laughs> like because there is that drop, and you have trackless ride vehicles. Like there's this whole safety system that goes into place that it, like the the least it can be is like 40 minutes, like to do the entire reset. It is because yeah. of like safety protocols. Do you guys have a trick that you employ here at at risk of giving it up to the to public? get on? Yeah, like do you guys go on rope drop it? Do you go on late at night? Is there like a particular time you've noticed it, that it's it's low in weight? The trick is like to go during like parades or yes, yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah firework time. I think it, it slows down. If you look on throw that, uh, I think it shows that, that it kind of slows down during those times. I'm not gonna lie, even seeing this at 45 minutes, I'm thinking that's a bargain. Like that's like yeah. that's a pretty yeah, good, that's, a, oh, that's, yeah, not bad. that's a good deal. Because that leads me into the all-time average wait time. Oh, there you go. For the Hollywood Studios version of Rise of the Resistance. And that's at 86 minutes. Yikes. So that does mean that you probably can find some times where it's an hour or less. Wait a tick. Does that um, mean that you... Wait, we have not gotten the, the highest wait time for Disneyland. No, no, no. Yeah, that's coming. Oh, could I take a guess? Yes. Go for it. Wait, I'll let you guys guess first if you want to guess. Because I, I, I think I have... I think I'm going to nail this one. I'm gonna say four hours. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, four, three, three hours maybe. I was gonna say four hours, so I'm gonna go. Let's go four hours. <laughs> I'm gonna price this right. Him four hours. <laughs> no, wait. I'm gonna. How about this? Four, four, four and a half hours. I'm gonna go four and a half hours. <laughs> Two hundred and seventy minutes. That's four and a half hours. Is the highest recorded. Wow! Oh, dude. Lord. Good job. And then Disneyland's all-time average wait time. Much. Much shorter than Hollywood Studios, actually seventy-one minutes. That makes sense because so, Hollywood Studios is a bad park. Oh, bad. So once again, also <laughs> D- Disney Disneyland has a much bigger uh, ride lineup. Uh, so naturally, those average queue times are going to be a bit lower. So seventy-one minutes. That means once again, there's times that you at least this ride is attainable now. When it first came out for the first year or two, it's it was. Uh, it was a very difficult attraction to get on, e- even if you were like an avid Disney goer. It was tough. And in, in terms of like uh, what people feel about this ride, I've noticed, and this happens with things that are truly excellent, people will start to hate on it. I've noticed it getting a lot more hate than, yeah. it, than it had in the beginning. Because when it first came out, like you said, everyone was, you know, juiced and ready to go and finally able to see this thing that had been, you know, uh, rumored for a while. And so when people got on it, it was like, oh my God, this is the most technologically advanced ride I've ever been on. People were stoked. And then as time went on, it feels like now 
there are some folks being like, ah, it's not that great. Is am, am I alone in seeing that? It feels like that is. But the what case. are they saying is bad? Like to me, the best Disney rides today are the ones that combine that that storytelling of a of a um, dark ride, and then all of a sudden combine like the uh, things unexpected and. Uh, illusions and also then like the thrill aspect like like radiator springs racers i think is a perfect example of that no like, i i, I agree know, i think this ride is so good i agree i think i think it's just one of those things of just a victim of its own success sometimes i think sometimes people like to be yeah. contrarian and they're just like ah, oh, it's overrated but mm, i think you're wrong <laughs> but i see i see some people saying like i wish it was darth vader and whatever oh my so, god it wouldn't be that much different it would <laughs> I don't listen to those opinions. <laughs> Let's move on to first impressions. Uh, this is where we just recount our, you know, our first impression of the ride. What did you feel? What is the effect that it had on you? Um, and we'll start with you guys. Oh, I definitely cried. Yeah, I, I guess yes, that I, was very emotional. Um, still to this day, like every time I go on it, I'm just amazed by how how good it is and it always leaves me feeling so excited and what about you to me this ride captures what it's like to be inside a star wars movie unlike any other ride captures what it's like to be inside that movie that property if that makes sense and even if it's not recounting scenes from like it's not recounting scenes from any of the movies as characters from the movies and it's roughly like you know Star Wars tropes, but it really does feel like you're in a Star Wars movie. And I, I that first time going on it, I, I was lucky to go to the press day uh, in Hollywood Studios, and I was <laughs> I was on the ride with just like one other person, uh, my friend Brian Young, who's a Star Wars expert and novelist, and we were just like freaking out together over how good. Just I don't know. It's it, it, to me, it's like. Maybe I'm the perfect person to ride this ride, but for me, it was the perfect ride. No, and I I definitely agree with you in that it is the best version of stepping into the world of IP. Like, I have never seen anything that, like, like you were saying, for example, fantasy rides, or fantasy land rides, like the dark rides, those are basically just rehashes of cool scenes in those movies. They're not telling, like, a story, so to speak. Uh, it's, It's just kind of like, the cliff notes version of that film whereas like this (laughs) you're seeing characters you recognize but they're in the they're in they're within a three-act structure of an independent original star wars story and even like i remember when i got on it i was blown away by the fact that they were able to hide uh kind of otherwise mundane things with theming and storytelling like you're still in line when you're walking through the halls of the star destroyer and yet you're so blown away that you're like, oh my God, I've seen Stormtroopers and Darth Vader walk down these halls in several movies. I've always wondered what it would be like to walk on a Star Destroyer. And you really do feel like you're inside one, especially when you walk out to the view of that hangar and you see outside and all the Stormtroopers. It's, it, it definitely is the most immersive experience I've ever been on. Uh, and I, I remember that was the one thing I walked away, just blown away by the level of detail and the scale and how how hard they went on the immersion. Um, and Byron, you were with. Didn't we ride this together for the first time? No, because oh I, no, no, because you got in it before me. I rode it in. I I just so happened to be <laughs> in. I I I just so happened to be at Disney World in December of 2019 with my family. 
Um, so it had been open for perhaps maybe like a week or two and <laughs> it was madness. I was, and of course, like, you know, my, like my parents and siblings, like they're, you know, they, they love, they love going on Disney trips occasionally, but like I actually, while they were at the hotel the day before we were planning to go to Hollywood studios, cause like we had a multi-day park hopper pass. I just went by myself to Hollywood studios <laughs> just to go and talk to a cast member there and be like, all right, so how's this system work? Like what time are people usually arriving here? What's going like, you know, it, and they're pretty much telling then the, the cast member told me like get here before 5 a.m. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. It was madness. And like you could, and I saw there's so many, and it, it, it was chaos because there were so many like broken hearted park guests that were like kind of going up to like, you know, guest experience and stuff like that. Trying to, cause they, this is, was, I think this was the first ride to have a boarding group system like this. Right. I think yeah. so. I mean, it definitely, I yeah. think so. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a bit of a learning curve and, you know, for the average like tourist, it was it was madness. So, you know, fast forward to the next morning. We're there at like four thirty a.m. It's pitch black and <laughs> it is packed. There is a mat. There is a sea of people already at the front gate of Hollywood Studios. We get in there by about five thirty a.m. and this is the boarding group time. Or Dude, they there, there is they drop it- the 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 time at six a.m. is when you got to push the button. Oh my god. And it felt like I was in an NFL stadium or something like that. Everyone's there. There's just silence. And as soon as you see six on your phone, (laughs) you hit it and you start hearing little like pockets of people in the crowd just erupting. Like, and it was just, it was so suspenseful. And then luckily we got an er, a rather early boarding group. Thank goodness. You left your hotel room at 4.30? No, we left our hotel room at like four. There is something so unbelievably unhinged about getting out of bed in the morning to go to a theme park. We would not and have gotten. We out. have not. We wouldn't have gotten on the ride. The if, sun wasn't even out yet. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> fucking the, insane. So yeah, next thing you know, and the, so the park technically opened at six a.m. at that point. Wow. So it was like, oh, like our boarding group is. It says an estimated like three or four hours. Like that's great. That's like ten a.m. Next thing you know, I'm riding Slinky Dog Dash, and it's still pitch black out. <laughs> We get off. We get off Slinky Dog Dash, and the sun starts rising on Batu when we oh walk goodness. in. Rising suns, and, <gasps> how magical! And there it is. And I've never had an experience like that. So it was ma- it was magical. Of course, the ride broke down. We didn't get on for you know until like the afternoon. <laughs> oh. But we eventually we did get on, and it's just one jaw dropping scene after another. Yeah, and everything was working. I have to um, say, there are probably people who went through the system that you just described, got on the ride. We're like, oh my god, we actually did it. We're on the ride, and then it broke down on their first time. <sighs> Could you oh, imagine? Awful. It was doing that. Like I felt <laughs> I like every imagine. hour. Uh, I'm fighting a stormtrooper. I'm getting my money's worth. I'm gonna. Although say- I will say, <laughs> it, it is my dream. It is my dream for the ride to break down during that ATAT room. Oh and my god! I get to walk off. Oh, can, like walk that'd be off. Good. Like. Under, take a photo. They're going to be like, no photos. I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Why and, not? <laughs> why not? But it's ne- never happens. It only breaks down when I'm like in the inter- interrogation. I hope that happens for you. Because the- <laughs> it, it, it also was a dream of mine to walk under one of those bad boys like Luke Skywalker on Hoth. Maybe climb it. Make, <laughs> uh, or what doesn't he pull? That's where he pulls the move with the stri- with like the wire and he, and he fucking <laughs> trips one of those. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the good and bad. 
But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor. And we are back. All right, let's go to the good and the bad. What are the good and bad things about this ride? And uh, of course, you guys could expand or add on to any of these. But let's start with the good. Uh, and I just wrote down a bunch of bullet points here. So first bullet point, the ray projection room. Totally. It's an amazing effect. That ray projection is sick. It's done with mirrors and screens, apparently. And baby, it's confusing. Uh, otherwise, I'd explain it. But just trust me, they do with mirrors and screens. It's very complicated, but an incredible effect. And you got to love seeing your guy BB-8 roll in there. A an underrated animatronic in this. <laughs> but I love seeing him roll around. You also, you also see him in the uh, X-Wing outside in a Poe Dameron ship. It's a little, uh, little missed detail. That, I don't know how... Yeah, by the way, a lot of people... Say that's Pepper's ghost, and that's not Pepper's ghost. It's like it is, a totally different It's completely thing. different. It, it is literally a mix of mirrors and screens. There's actually a video that breaks it down, and even after watching the video, I'm like, I give up. It's magic. <laughs> I don't care. It's just, it's it's a projection. There, I, I don't need to know how every little thing works. Uh, and then even seeing Poe's full-scale X-Wing, this is just another way to kind of sell you into the world. And I think Peter touched on this earlier. That's the thing that I think this ride does better than any other ride is that it it doesn't use scale just for the sake of scale or to get your jaw to drop. It actually brings you into the story and traps you in the immersion even more so just because I don't know what the actual scale of an X-Wing is or what the actual scale of an AT-AT <laughs> is, but I have a feeling of what it should look like and they nailed it. I feel like in terms of like, there was not one thing that I saw from the movies in real world in this ride that I was like, that doesn't look like how I thought it would. Every single thing looks exactly like I thought it would. Oh, totally. And I also get very excited every time I see Poe on that ride. I'm always like, so I'm like, yes, well, Poe's here. Well, who's not well, going to be excited? Whenever uh, Poe tells her that she's a fine looking uh, group of recruits. Or whatever. He told that to me the last ride and I still haven't stopped blushing. It's Oscar Isaac. Uh, <laughs> he, he gives he gives a, a smooth performance. I he gotta does. say, I, in regards to how like you know sometimes they kind of like you know they cheese it up a little bit. I don't I don't know. I thought I thought he he was. Uh, <laughs> That's actually my next bullet. Honestly, and Daisy Ridley, yeah, mm -hmm. pretty decent on ride acting performance for my boy Oscar Isaac here. I thought he did a good job. Most people phone it in like they do like their clear. I'm on a theme park <laughs> ride acting performance, but I actually thought Oscar Isaac kind of went hard here. <laughs> Uh, the transport simulator, it's amusing, but my favorite part of it is Lieutenant Beck. It's an amazing animatronic. Oh, love him. He's the best. I love the his best. big ass you can eyes. Get, like right in his face. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> he's got those big ass eyes and he's got his super swivelly chair. That's like really like it's all really good. <laughs> also, shout out to the much more subtle pilot animatronic. You actually knew the name of that guy. Um, that really sells the realism. What was his name? Nine num. Nine num. He was in the original trilogy. Oh shit! Nine num. That well, don't ask he, me to spell it, but yeah, his animatronic <laughs> is is it really sells the realism of that transport vehicle because it's very understated. It's just kind of in the background. You almost don't even realize that he's there until Beck points him out. But I just it just sells the world so much. Uh, the aforementioned transport gag that makes you believe you've been captured incredibly effective. I went on this ride for the first time with, um, not with my wife, my, the second time I went on with my wife. And, uh, I did not tell her anything about this ride. And she knew that there was pre-show room. She knew that the experience was long. But when we were on that, uh, that transport vehicle, the one that goes to, you know, the one you get captured on eventually, 
she at one point she like, thought that was the ride yeah she whispered to me she was like this ride is this is it there's no seats we just kind of this kind of <laughs> sucks and i was like mari uh, and i didn't even say anything i just kind of like let that bounce off of me <laughs> and then the door opens she expects all right i guess we'll just walk off the ride and go to the exit and walks out onto the hangar bay of that star destroyer and she pro- so funny. produced a noise I have never heard her produce in my entire <laughs> life. She just went, oh! <laughs> and every time I get on this ride, there is somebody in that room who has not been on the ride before. Mm-hmm. And when that reveal hits, they lose their minds. And it's uh, it's amazing. And one of my favorite things to do on a ride is to live vicariously through the experience of someone who has not experienced yes. it. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, you get it almost every single time because odds are there is a tourist on that little transport vehicle that doesn't know the ride, had a hard time getting on it. They're kind of pissed off. And then they walk out into that hangar bay and they're just mind blown. <laughs> and it's it's satisfying yeah. every time. Uh, next thing I wrote, stormtroopers are dipshits. We can all agree on that. But as a Star Wars fan... <laughs> To see them fully realized like this, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's also undeniable that they're just cool looking. I think it's like one of the coolest character designs out there, Stormtroopers. They can't shoot for shit, but, you know, they look really cool. (laughs) And to see them in real life like this, it doesn't feel like you're looking at animatronics just because the armor is so, like, well rendered um, on this ride that it really does feel like you're looking at these Stormtroopers who, for the first time in my life, I was kind of thinking, wow, these guys are actually kind of menacing. They're very intimidating. When there's a whole troop of them and they're standing there with their blasters and you kind of feel like you're trapped. I'm like, oh, I could see why people would think these folks are scary. But when you see them in the movies, you're like, these guys are like traffic cones. Just get out of the way. Well, they're not shooting yet on the ride. <laughs> no, they're not shooting yet. On, even on the ride, though. They're not, like, they're not intimidating once they try, when you realize how bad their aim is. No, when they're shooting at me on the ride, I'm always like, all right, we're fine. You're not going to hit me. Um, but uh, and, and then again. I've seen in Florida sometimes they'll have like an actual stormtrooper, like a, a character in a stormtrooper outfit, like along with the troop and walking around and stuff. So it, it like adds to that illusion of oh, like, sweet. wait, really? Thing there. That's amazing. Yeah. That reminds me of when they would I've hide. I've seen it once personally. Oh, cause they used to hide. There was a period of time, I think like for an anniversary where they had scare actors, well not scare actors, but they had people in costumes in the haunted mansion. Like there was a knight that would move and, and things like that. So that's that's kind of cool that they would do that. I had no idea they did that. That's amazing. I hope I see it one day. Uh, in this room, also full scale Tie Fighter, as well as some good teasing of the ride vehicle because we see the transport uh, transport droid there too. Uh, I also love the first order cast members being in full character, especially the ones with those funny little mics, the ones that have like the talk box. You know what I'm talking about? Like they have that little thing on their side. The yeah. thing that like referees in the NFL use when they announce like a penalty, they have those in this ride, and it's always super funny. Uh, stormtroopers everywhere. They're like in the hangar bay. They're in the mid portion of the queue in the Star Destroyer. We already talked about how the Star Destroyer is just incredible. How it uh it just kind of puts you into that world. I just couldn't believe I was walking through the hallways of one. This brings us to the interrogation room. I'm not gonna lie, I love me some Hux. You chose the wrong side, and now you will pay. <laughs> I love that yes. guy. Same. He's yes. such a little douchebag. Uh, his delivery uh, in that one line in Last Jedi, one of my favorite deliveries of the entire Star Wars franchise. It's when Kylo Ren is blasting the living shit out of Luke Skywalker, and he <laughs> I think he blasts him for like 
30 straight seconds. And then Hux goes, do you think you got him? It <laughs> cracks, me, <laughs> cracks me up every single time I watch that movie. And he gives a great performance here in the interrogation room. He's being a little stinker. I love it. And uh, Kylo Ren, also really fun performance from him. That little, uh, <laughs> this also makes me laugh when he, there's a moment after he gives his little dialogue and he goes, I will return to finish this personally. And then after he does that, he does this little like Vogue shoulder turn. <laughs> it's like this kind of little prissy oh. turn. And it's really funny, like the physicality of it. Also, because I'm pretty sure that's not Adam Driver under that mask. I'm pretty sure they weren't able to get Adam Driver to record his scenes. So that's just a dude selling the physicality of Adam Driver. But look out for that moment. <laughs> we'll put it up in the video version. A crack up. The interior queue being the halls of the Star Drawer. I already talked about that. Incredible transitions on this ride. You know, we got the cutout of the wall in the interrogation room. You can actually hear the little audio cue of the resistance you know, talking about how they're going to get them out and, you know, before the wall actually gets cut out. Incredible storytelling. That leads you to a brilliant load zone that focuses on storytelling again and less like you're just being loaded onto a ride. And just in general, I, I'm trying to think of a, a ride that does transitions better than this ride. Scene to scene... None of it feels unmotivated or contrived. Yeah. It's all just kind of flows. Well, that first scene is incredible oh, because, yeah. like, you have uh, Lieutenant Beck like giving you the safety instructions, like keep keep uh, your your kids inside the vehicle, blah 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 blah. And then, yeah. like, uh, then there's these two vehicles, which are actually the vehicles after you unload at the end of the ride. They're actually coming through, and like he tells uh, R five, like, tell them it's a prisoner transfer, and like they talk to each other. So you actually have like the the ride vehicles that are leaving the end of the ride being part of the story of the beginning of the ride, which is brilliant. No, I, I, I I will admit though, that's that scene with the other ride vehicles that are the evil ones because they had the red eyes. I was, I was a little confused. (laughs) I was a little confused when I first saw those. I was like, wait, who are these guys? And then the guy was like, Oh, tell them it's a prisoner transport. And I was like, yeah, tell them it's a prisoner transport. And then the the scene just kind of ended. And I was like, all right, I guess we're moving forward. But I I wasn't, uh, I didn't, digest the fact that you know we were hijacking a prison uh, uh, a transport droid but it makes sense now i just i remember my first reaction to that was like what's going on here this we talked about it a little bit the scale of that atat room mind-blowing it might be the most impressive scene in the entire ride portion in my opinion because i i've always dreamed of running under those guys and the fact that we get to weave around them now it's just a dream come true i also like the raise the shields moment there's a moment uh, when Kylo and Hux are standing on the bridge of the ship, you're hearing, you're overhearing like the secret conversation you're not supposed to hear. And then Kylo says, raise the shields out of nowhere. And Hux like, what are you talking about? What do you, I don't see any indication. And all of a sudden, all <laughs> the rebel ships, you know, jump from light speed and are now yeah. in front of the ship. You underestimate their conviction. Raise the shields. Shields. I see no evidence. Now. It's just a, a nice, cool little detail that like Kylo's so force sensitive. Uh, or ha- is so strong with the force that he already realizes there's ships coming at them from light speed. It's a really cool little detail and, and a way to sell uh, storytelling and lore in just like one sentence, essentially. I also like in that scene how they got him to basically the motion to work on both sides of where you end up because yeah. there's two 
you know, ride vehicles at the same time going into those two pockets on each side of where Kylo Ren is. Yeah. And his motion works for both. He, like he, he has a little bit of yeah. time with each side, uh, no matter what he's saying, it, it works. How brave, but ultimately hopeless. I would love to just walk through each one of these rooms and have extended time to just kind of look at everything. <laughs> Just because, like, every one of the rooms is so, like, beautifully realized and, and built to scale. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, I also, I guess this next thing I wrote, I don't even know what it is. The scream of R5 when... <laughs> yes! Yes. I love it. R5 screams <laughs> when Kylo's saber pierces the ceiling. It's very, very good. <laughs> it sounds exactly like R2-D2. I think it's something like... Hey, yes, uh, yes. It, it's pretty good it almost makes me wish that r2 was with us but i'm not like one of those like people that's like show me luke um i'm fine with it being r5 i think it's funny that all droids scream the same i guess uh the fluidity and motion of kylo almost getting sucked into space wildly impressive by the way it's so cool if you look outside the window before that you actually see the shot that comes and like breaks open the, the oh my god the ship. i've never noticed that oh it's, really oh yeah that's incredible. Yeah, so look to your right when when you first like you're seeing, you'll see like the, the shot hit it and it like causes it. it. It's all very well choreographed. And and wow, I'm gonna look out for that the next time because I'm so distracted by how amazing that animatronic is because the arms are flailing, flailing around and moving pretty fast. <laughs> to think of like the stress that that might create on like a robot and having it repeat over and over again over the course of time, it makes sense that they had to basically create like new animatronics to you know to make this effect possible um and then a, a couple last ones here drop shaft on a trackless ride mouse is in its bag here yes. it's good stuff and even the unload zone being completely separate from the load zone sells storytelling until you actually get off the ride like it it you know you get off like say space mountain you're getting off on the same place where you got on it's a ride the experience is over they sell that until you walk out the exit, essentially, that, like, you went on an adventure, you ended at a different place than you started. It's all kind of tied together. I just love it. And I also love that, I don't know if you noticed, they 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 update the time of day, like, in the, like, for, like, if, if you ride the ride during the day, Batuu in the projections before yes. you take off yes. in the pre-show is day, and if it's night, it's night. It's pretty incredible. Do they have a Dusk yeah. version? Sure, exactly. We might have to. We might have. We might have to ask someone who's ridden this thirty times. <laughs> yeah, if only we knew somebody. Yeah, ask David. <laughs> I love that it ends in the outside too, because like, yes. like you said, if you're not only in a totally different area, but like you've started the ride inside, now you're getting on. You're on the outside. It, it also makes you kind of even forget, like, hey, when did I even get on? this ride where did where did it begin because like even when you're getting on <laughs> the ride vehicles themselves it's such a a rushed scene not rushed in a bad way but rushed in the sense of like you're in motion already you're in the story already to the point where like it's it's kind of hard it's easy to forget rather that you're on a ride um and i don't know i just i don't really know if there's anything quite like it they try to do that on transformers when they are like screaming at you, they're like, hey, "Everyone, get on the get on the uh, ride really quick! Make sure you put on your 3D glasses." <laughs> it's just like, "All right, buddy, I don't think it's that big of a deal." I see the people that just got off after me, so uh, uh, I think it's fine. But uh, in this particular case, they they kill it. Uh, you guys have any things you want to expand on in that good list, or anything you want to add on? Things you like or look for on this ride? 
One thing I love, and I don't think many people notice, is how this ride could either be the in in the story of Galaxy's Edge. It could be at the beginning of the story of Galaxy's Edge, or it could be at the end of the story. So what I mean by that is like you could do this ride, and then you know you're you take that exit uh, that um, escape vehicle down to Batu, and then that's why Kylo Ren is on Batu searching for. You know, the rebel, do you know what I mean? It could be that, oh, or yeah. he could have been on Batu, and then you go on the ride, and then that's how he goes and catches up with them and stuff like that. So I feel like it, it, I like that it could work in the story of Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. In your no, day, I, your I adventure agree. in Star Wars, it could work either way. It kind of like oh, speaks a good point. I to like that. <laughs> the, the overall story that they were trying to sell. It kind of sells into that more so than other parts of the land where they kind of misfired. Like, yeah, I know there's not as many characters <laughs> as folks would like. You know, based on like, I'm sure they announced when they announced this at D23, they were like, there's going to be the most immersive thing. They're going to have, uh, you know, performers all around that are having you uh, partake in this, un- uh, you know, unfolding story right in front of you. It isn't it never really quite reached that. But I think Rise of the Resistance t- to like what you were saying is the one part that really still holds true to that original promise, in my opinion. Yeah. God, I wish they made that fucking that that ride where they were walking on the. uh what was it the? Oh my gosh! The band, the, like ba- the Bantus, is the that Bantus. The one you're talking about? Yeah, like I think it's called the Bantus. Bantha? Ba- Bantha, Bantha, the Bantha Walker ride. Yeah, I want that ride. <laughs> Looks great. That would have been, been so cool for kinetic energy. Of I don't the know what the capacity of that oh, ride would have been though. It'd be that, garbage, sure. absolute garbage. The one thing I wanted to say was the the cast members. I I often get asked like you know if you were going to work at Disneyland, what ride would you work on? And the answer is either Jungle Cruise. Mm. or mm. be in the uh, the Star Destroyer and Rise of the Resistance because those guys get to like have so much fun, oh, play yeah. it up, be a character. It's great. Yeah. I I totally agree. I would love to be one of the people in the Star Destroyer just to really go for it. And uh, if you're having a bad day, it'll play <laughs> off even better. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I remember <laughs> what as you want. I remember one time I was in the Star Destroyer portion, I had to pee so bad. And Byron, I think you were with, I, I, I was with you. You were yes. with me, and I was like, I can't hold it. I'm not going to last on this ride. I need to go to the bathroom. So I walked up to one of the cast members, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I know you're doing a bit right now. I have to pee. And, and, it, and, and then the guy was like, well, we'll see if we could. Uh, perhaps you may be able to hold it. And I was like, mm, perhaps not. I'm, I'm going to piss my pants if we don't find a bathroom in about five minutes. And he was like, very well then. And he like walked me out of this door. And unfortunately, the door that he walked me out of was just the backstage area was completely not themed. And he was still in character walking around like chefs and stuff. And I was just like, damn, this is kind of a, this is a bummer. But you look, I, I peed. Wait, did you actually have to get to a bathroom in the backstage there area? There was a backstage area where they took me to a bathroom. Oh, wow. So if you Ooh, want to see it, you could ask, I need to go pee. And you yeah. just have to sell the fear in your eyes. Because he saw I wasn't joking around. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the bad. There's not too many. Uh, first one I wrote here, I'm not a big fan of the Rebel Caves. I I think it's a pretty weak part of that queue. I get that it's like selling a hideout and it, you know, that's kind of what it would look like, but it did it have to be like that much of a hideout? To me, it almost was like we spent a lot of cash on the rest part of this ride and the rest of the queue. Let's just throw some like cave walls 
I appreciate that there are like there there's places to sit. Like they have like That's, little benches. Yes. That so is true. true. That is true. Yeah. I gotta say, I really love how like beautifully inconspicuous it looks. That like you just keep the further you go, they start like revealing little layer after little layer of it being a rebel base. I think that I think that's really neat. I could see it. I just wish there was a little less cave, especially since the rest of the queue is so baller. <laughs> like this is just kind of uh, I don't I mean, look, I that, we're nitpicking. Would you here. like them outside in a row of switchbacks? No, I wouldn't like that. Cuz that's Byron, essentially their way like, of doing it. I would it. just like a little bit more and look, I I'm I'm asking for a lot here. Uh the the probe <laughs> droid scene kind of weak. Like <laughs> every time I see it when they're like, "Oh, it's a probe droid. Make sure he doesn't see you." And then our car proceeds to sit there for like 10 seconds while we watch this probe droid kind of look at a wall like that. That always was just like that probe droid could yeah. just turn around and see me. Right. Like, it's <laughs> so big, though. Like, I love how big it is. It is big. I wish it could turn around and like shoot like a laser like scanning you and you just narrowly avoid it. See, or something, That's what I'm like... looking for. It's just kind of like a droid looking at a wall like it's in the Blair Witch. <laughs> and, and then we're just kind of sitting there hoping it doesn't see us. Or if they got that like red <laughs> scanner thing to kind of like just like go above your head or yeah, something see, like I think, in your direction. I'm just saying it could it's, it doesn't sell it. No. You're lucky it didn't spot you. And I'm like, not really. We stood there for 10 seconds. I'm surprised it didn't see us. <laughs> it's not like we're masters of espionage over here. There's a fucking car full of people just being like, all right, hope it doesn't turn around <laughs> what it's made to do. Uh, the Kylo walking effect. It doesn't quite land for me. I think it's good, though. Good job. Good effort. It just doesn't like it's a projection thing. I'm not a projection guy. So that's just, you know, that's just Wh- which moment is this? This is the one he drops down and starts walking towards oh. you with a lightsaber. Oh, see, I like that. I think I, I think it's it. a- I think the inclusion of the practical lightsaber for me sells it. I'm not I'm usually not a when I guy. found out how that was achieved. I think that's when I was like, oh, that's pretty cool because it doesn't feel like it's just a projection. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I will give Disney the credit here that even though they do do use these Musion projections a bunch of times in this ride, they always add some other element to plus it. So like the practical lightsaber or in the instance of the interrogation room, they have the shadows. So they are doing things that go above and beyond just throwing a projection up. But in general, I'm just this just I'm I'm a projection hater, I think. I just not a I think I've been beat to death by them by by Universal and I, the less of them, the better, especially because there's so many practical, incredible, full-scale effects in this ride. It's just those kind of stand out to me. Yeah. And then the last thing I have here is, can we just get those those freaking cannons working? <laughs> just one time. Yeah. I know yeah. I sound ungrateful, but just I just want to see them go vroom, vroom. Just once. Just it's it's Every time I go to that... You that, just... It's Blue Ball Alley every single time I well, walk down it's that just, alley. It's just a bunch of screens, and then your your ride vehicle dodging essentially nothing. It's just like, you just you just gotta believe me when they do work or when they did work. It was awesome. It was like it was my incredible. it was like really my favorite cool. part of the ride. It's it's not helpful, Kitra. It was like, that, are we gonna get crushed? I don't know. know. <laughs> Kitra's like, I don't know. It's pretty sweet when it works. I know it has never worked it, for you, but it's pretty sweet. Say, it's it's one of the best parts of the ride. Uh, and that's all I, I got. I will say that even when they aren't working, that screen, I know you didn't, it brings <laughs> up right after you said you hate screens, but that screen for some reason is amazing with the outside into space and like there's shooting at you. And then one of the shots actually like hits the wall as you're turning and it like destroys part of the wall. Oh no. The, the, when they use the projection, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I, I actually did write this down. I don't really like the screens, but I get the windows being screens that look out into outer space. 
Mm-hmm. That, but that's where I draw the line. Like, because they're not gonna like be able to. <laughs> they're, they're not gonna be able to like recreate space in any other fashion other than using the screen. So I get well, it there. Here's the deal: if they're gonna give up on the cannons playing like that cat and mouse game with you, then stop. They should at go. least yes, stop having us like act like we're still dodging it, and maybe get the ride vehicles to like <laughs> rotate towards where the screens are instead of just turning your necks over there. I agree with that. I think I I think that's a good solve for B mode. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh. But that's it. That's all I have for the bad. There's not a lot of bad in this ride. You know, sometimes we really have to scrape the bottom of the barrel here. I got a couple at the bottom of the barrel. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're nitpicks. They're very <laughs> much nitpicks. Um, I feel I'm like... I'm a nitpick. I'm, I'm curious what your nitpicks are. I just have two of them. I love when you have the guns from the ATAT like come directly yeah. down oh, to yeah. shoot at yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You don't you only get it from one side. That's right. And instead and the other one you just get the projection of the guy basically pulling out a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just not it's that. not nearly as cool. My second one was just uh I I love the Kylo Ren animatronic. However, it's been down almost half the time that I've been true. on this ride now. And when it does work, this is a nitpick. The 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 planted feet, I can't like unsee it because like I understand like it's an impressive animatronic, yeah. but he's kind of looks like one of those little like wacky or like you know like or those inflatables when he's flailing oh, because his <laughs> feet can't his, his feet can't move, so his body has to sell the motion, which I think it does really well. But everything in his like the lower half of his body, it's like that's impossible. Yeah, like, he's it, like a hula dancer on the dash. <laughs> the world, yeah, he's got super glue on his feet or something <laughs> yeah. like that. But um, that's all I got really. I mean, it's it, they're nitpicks. And Peter, you had a nitpick as well. Yeah, but I was gonna say, but I will say when he's down. The B mode to that is actually quite enjoyable. I mean, you don't get an animatronic as a screen thing, but it's, it's true. Cool. It's, it's, it's a, a good, right? uh, good contingency plan when he fl- uh, when he flies by in the Tie Fighter outside the window. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool scene. Yeah. My two nitpicks are uh, oh, they, I'm curious. they tried to place this in the canon between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, but you have Poe's X-Wing, which blew up in La- uh, Last Jedi, and oh, Rise shit. of Skywalker has a different wow. X-Wing. Oh, so, damn. Kind of annoying as a Star Wars fan. And then also, Kylo Ren has his mask back, but he doesn't rebuild that until Rise of Skywalker. Oh, my up. God. Some good That's points right. there. That actually Some did bother me. There. The first time I went on this ride, I was like, why has he got his mask? I, I want to see Adam. <laughs> and, but I get it. He's he's cooler looking. It's nerdy. I want to see a shirtless Adam Driver on this I, ride. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we could do that. But I mean, I wouldn't mind. It. I mean, uh, what what would we lose if we said like if we just said if it was between the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi? I know you. They say it's like after that certain battle, right? Like, but, but even at the end of Force Awakens, his his mask is all jacked up. Oh, that's right. Because remember, he has that funny yeah, scar in Last right. Jedi, yeah. and then the scar is gone. Yeah. They botched it. What can you say? That's right, right? The scar changes from Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. It becomes sexier in Rise of Skywalker, from my recollection. Mm-hmm. They're like, we can't have him have an ugly scar. All right. He's got uh, a kiss scene coming up. That's true. He does. It's an uncomfortable one, too. Uh, let's move on to the crown jewel of this podcast, the last, the conclusion, the world-class tests. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor. And we are back. It is time to move on to the world-class tests. This is a rubric of 10 tests, painstakingly devised by Byron and myself to determine if an attraction is world-class. To receive the highly coveted world-class pass, the attraction must pass 7 out of 10 tests. A score out of 6 out of 10 leaves the attraction up for debate, where we could debate it into world-class standing. And anything lower than 6 out of 10 is an automatic fail. No world-class pass for you. 
Oh, no. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if this one's going to have a chance. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, let's move to the first test. The Oh, here we go. It's already the, the first test. The average tourist test. Would the average tourist have a hard time getting on this ride? Is there a long wait? Is there a complicated queue system? Now, it's funny because this was one of the attractions we had in mind when we made this test. <laughs> now, I will say... Well, it doesn't, have a, it doesn't have a complicated virtual queue system anymore. Not anymore. Lightning lane. Not anymore. That's what I was going to say. It's interesting because now I actually weirdly think this might be okay. I think this... Well, Byron, uh, you know what? This is interesting. Before we go on, the way we do this, we'll all have a vote here and we go majority rules. So someone could fail it, but if we all have the majority of pass but we have four people but we have four people so we might have to do a tiebreaker i don't think it's going to come to that no kitra let's start with you do you think what do you have for this one i think it's a pass because (laughs) because of uh because of the standby line being there available now yeah i mean if the the average wait time is around an hour i think that's fair it's totally worth waiting an hour Okay. I think it's worth it. We got a pass from Kitra. Peter, what do you got? Yeah, I I would wait an hour. I would totally wait an hour. If the the average wait time for this was over two hours, then maybe it would be oh no. But uh also but if I wasn't a local and I was going to Disneyland on a once in a lifetime trip and I didn't want to wait at the hour, I'd probably pay the fifteen dollars. But do you think an <laughs> average tourist Japan? Do you think an average tourist would have a hard time getting on this? Like apart from the no. actual wait Currently, time like no. finding it and I don't. No. I don't think so either. Uh, and mainly just because of the inclusion of the standby line. Granted, it is broken down a lot, but I will say, if you want to get on this ride, you will be able to get on this ride. Whereas, <laughs> like three years ago, that was not the case. You could possibly just not yeah. get on this ride unless you paid extra, which yeah. is complicated in and of itself. So, I actually think this is a pass as well. Look, I don't know if I'm insulting the average tourist, <laughs> <laughs> but I have actually heard instances. Of like YouTuber, like like YouTuber, not park YouTubers, but just like pe- like you know, popular people that have gone to Galaxy's Edge, rode Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, rode Star Tours. They had no, no. idea what was like. They've never been to no. Disneyland, really, and then found out like a month or two later because everyone were commenting like, "You did not go on Rise of the Resistance. That was just Star Tours." You didn't do. How is that possible? It, it has happened. <laughs> I've I've just heard I've heard about that. I will say there is no sign. Like I love and I I love this like for immersion and everything. There is no. It's a very inconspicuous looking entrance. That's back true. There. It's it's supposed to be a rebel base. So, so if you actually do not do your research and once again like you're let's you know let's just say you're just like this is your once in a lifetime trip to Disneyland and you're just you're not you're not doing your research looking up what rides they have. You're just walking around the park. You could overlook. Rise of the Resistance, go on Smuggler's Run. Because <laughs> uh, that's the big Millennium Falcon how sticking they out. How find Galaxy's Edge? Maybe there, there's Disney not a sign World. for Galaxy's I don't know about Edge. Disneyland. Mm. <laughs> and no then Disney World. But. Yeah, well, yeah, that one. I, 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 I love Disney's entryway to Galaxy's Edge. I mean, that dunks on <laughs> Hollywood Studios, which is like an IP dumping ground at this point. But um, <laughs> so I'd say that combined. With the amount of times this ride could be down, once again, like, are oh, you gonna right. are you gonna rely on the average tourist to be like, 
All right, I'm going to go get my Ronto wrap and I'm going to hang around here an hour because that's when it resets because I watched For Your Amusement and, li- and listened to Peter and Ryan tell me about it. it takes about 45 minutes to reset or they say, mm, that's all right, and they move on. So I, in those respects, I do give it a fail. I hear you actually made some really good points hmm. to the point where I actually was like, am I going to change my vote? But I still think most people know this is the ride you're supposed to get on. You see it in the commercials. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, a, what else is there to do in Hollywood studios? No offense. It's like there's some stage shows. There's no, exactly. Tower of Terror. I could actually see well, how that's you, true. I, I see it. rides in that park. I could borderline pass it for Hollywood Studios. For Disneyland, I could see how you could maybe overlook it because Disneyland's lineup is so stacked. Yeah. But Hollywood Studios. They have total yeah. nine rides there. I think so. it's a pass. I'm going to still pass. Well, I mean, it's still majority. <laughs> it's still so majority. I, but I if I change my, my vote, it could have gone 50-50. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. So yeah. but anyways, it's passing. That's one for one. Let's move on to test number two. Yes. <laughs> now, if we did this show t- if we did this show two years ago, this is an absolute fail for the record. Oh, yeah. Oh, been, I would have agreed. That would have been true. Okay. That's funny because I wrote that test thinking of this being a fail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two is the... Uh, this, we've already commented on this, actually. Number two, the Leslie Stahl test. Would you be willing to wait 60 minutes for this attraction? Personally, yes. Pass. Pass. I, I think it's easy. It's an easy pass. It's one of the few rides that I've been on numerous times at this point and would still wait 60 minutes. There's only a handful of rides that I yeah. would do that for. Like I said, if I saw this at 45 or even in a six, 60 minutes, I might still be like, that's a bargain. If like... If someone I knew had never been to Disneyland before and this was their like one chance, you wait an I hour. would say wait three hours. I don't care. Like get on the ride. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I would say wait. Hey, if there was their one once <laughs> their one chance in their life to get on Rise of the Resistance. Okay, I guess, but by the lightning lane. By the lightning lane is well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this, in this the theoretical the yeah. is there a better <laughs> is there a better ride to live vicariously through a new friend going to Disneyland there is than a, this ride? There is not. I, I told, no. if there was a vicarious award, which we should think about putting in because that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That this is the <laughs> ultimate version of it because the the there are so many twists and turns and reveals that you kind of lose they lose their effect, their efficacy kind of just dissipates over time with me personally because I know what happens. That goes back to one hundred percent when I'm on the ride with somebody who hasn't been on it before and does not know what's waiting around the corner because I'm so stoked to yeah. just see they're mind blown. And uh I, I it's 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 fantastic. I, I I would tell anybody that to do whatever you have to do to get on this ride, including wait sixty minutes. Uh so that's a pass. Looks like it's a pass all around. Moving on to test number three. We're two for two. We're on we're on a good I can't believe this is doing well. Uh, number three, the smartphone <laughs> test. Uh, does the cue of this ride have enough to keep you off of your phone? I don't know, Ryan. You really don't like that cave. I'm not gonna lie, that cave sucks. But uh, well, well, I was gonna say, did you know that there's something called the Disney Play app where you could use your data pad? I did know yes, about that. I have used it very so briefly. You could use it. I. I dislike the data pad personally i hate it but there is a storyline for the queue of that ride where you could either pick if you want to be part of the resistance or you want to be part of the first order and it actually makes the ride more not i wouldn't say more enjoyable but like once you get to the ride you've already done all these missions and you understand like what's happening so it's it's a good way to kill the time like you help uh finn is up on us uh on the uh star destroyer and you actually have to help him get a disguise which he ends up getting the stormtrooper disguise and you help him like reprogram so it gives you more droids context and, to like what's going on yeah. 
if you don't understand. I have to say, so, I well, do, it's, it keeps you on your phone though. Yeah, that was about I was about to say, say the, the said, ironic thing is. That, <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I guess keeping yeah. off the phone in the sense of like, are you so bored that you're like, I'm just gonna, you know, escape this this theming and you know, look on Twitter or something. But that's the one problem Ooh. I have with the Disney Play kind of whole thing is that yes, it does it does add an immersive element in that you are gamifying it, but at the same time, it usually will just take you out of it because you'll see notifications pop up on your phone. You'll like you'll kind of yeah you're 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 on you're on your phone whereas like this is a uh an obscure reference but I don't know if you guys have been over to Ghost Town Alive and not scary or not Berry Farm oh yeah, yeah we love it it's it's all physical elements you're dealing with you're dealing with actors you're dealing with a newspaper you're not encouraged to look at your phone the to best. play they only do that during the yeah. summer summer right they do but it's something that I wish Galaxy's Edge was more like. Uh, that's I like, what I wish that's Star they, Cruiser was yeah. more like. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me yeah. too. Because I went on the Byron and I were also on yeah. the Star Cruiser, and we found like we're spending so much time with our nose in our phone. Yeah, it's odd. The data pad yeah, sending us Slack my... Slack messages to go back that. to the engineering room. <laughs> and I'm like, I just talked to that character in person. Why is he messaging? Me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think overall, this queue, other than the cave part, which I'm not a big fan of, they, you know, we have the yeah. Ray Room, we have the Bakara Transport. We have the Star Destroyer. There are several elements to this queue that feel like attractions in and of themselves. So totally. if, we're, if we're talking about an immersive queue that's going to keep oh. you off your phone, this is a clear pass for me. The lines are blurred yeah, pass. in regards to when the experience starts. And I, I don't know, even like the cave and stuff. I just like love watching those layers kind of reveal yourself and you, you start getting the vibe that you are going on this mission and... They are I, I, I buy into it personally. However, if you were in like a three-hour line and you were stuck in that cave portion for like an hour and a half, I can't imagine that's a good time. Granted, it's air-conditioned, so it has that. Be a little claustrophobic. It's air-conditioned. There's benches. There are benches. <laughs> if you're not counting the ray on as part of the line, that I, I could fail it, but I... I think it's part of the line. Are we including it? Yes, as part of the- that's totally I can part pass. of it. That's part of the per- that's queue. Yeah, because there's even a part where, like, when you're in the Star Destroyer, when they're like, all right, stand on red on the red, stand on the blue. They're, like, telling you where to, <laughs> yes. like, actually queue up for the ride. So I do think that is part of the queue, in my opinion. And that, and by that virtue, I think it's a clear pass. And it seems like, Byron, do you agree with that? It's a pass for me. Easy. Well, that's three for three. I wonder if this is going to be one of our only 10 for 10s. We'll see. Moving on to test number four. We're at three for three. This is the Tony Stark test. How innovative is this attraction? Does it push theme park tech forward? Pass. I wonder what we're going to vote on this one. Pass, pass, pass. pass. We don't even need to explain that. We don't even need to explain ourselves. I think that's a clear pass. Well, here's the deal. It inherited, what? It inherited so many different rides. To, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a, it's a definite oh, pass. Smack the headphones <laughs> off your head. Uh, pass. Uh, that's yeah. Flying. I, I don't. Uh, not many attractions get this strong of a pass. No, I mean, um, yeah. And even if it did use multiple ride systems that had been used before, no one's ever thought to combine all three. Well, into the, the amount, same the amount of tech that probably went into integrating them all together to work in harmony is it's, 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 it's nuts. I mean, I guess this has been used before, but like how fast the batteries have to charge on those ride vehicles. Yeah. Every time they offload at the end, because that's what like when you get off the ride, those are it's charging. Also, the use of practical effects and scale. And the animatronics used in this. Yeah. And like also, you said, there's like the not like or like Peter was saying, like the the quote unquote Pepper's Ghost, but it's not Pepper's Ghost. Like they did I don't a know, bunch so of so many, so many like magician tricks that and, were probably 
done so, like were made possible with new technology. You could also say that this ride changed how people view or how Disney views and maybe just theme parks at large view what actually is a ride. Where does it begin? Does it begin when you get in line or does it begin when you get on the ride itself? And I think this changed how people think about attractions. They now think about them as an entire experience and that in and of itself should pass it. So it, yeah, this is probably one of our, our easiest passes. Uh, number five, moving on. We're, we're moving along swimmingly right now. Four for four. Uh, <laughs> test number five, the Hollywood test. Can this attraction be adapted for the silver screen? Does it have a comprehensible story? Well, it came from the silver screen, so that's a yes. And it does have a comprehensible story, in my opinion, in that there is an yeah. actual three-act mm-hmm. structure. You could probably like make an argument you could make a film based off of what's presented in this ride alone, like the story it sells. Um yeah. Agreed. I, I, I think I think for me it's a pass. Pass. It's a pass. <laughs> pass. Pass. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Five for five. Let's move on to test number six. We're at five for five right now. We are two away from world class pass standing. Uh Test number six, the Simpson test. How likely is this to be replaced with something new, a la Back to the Future being replaced by the Simpsons? Which we were just, uh, well, we were talking off camera about that. But yeah, I mean, Disney in general approaches replacing rides very different than Universal Studios does. We've seen them, Universal Studios replace a bunch of things. And Peter had mentioned, you know, before we started recording this, that if you look at, if you look at Disneyland, there's plenty of, day one attractions there where at universal not so much despite it opening much later so i never really thought about it like that but all that to say how do we feel about this ride going the distance how long how likely do we think this is to be replaced i could see eventually them updating the characters but i think this ride is gonna i think i would be shocked if they replace this ride before any of us are de- uh, any of us are still alive i i would agree with that like let's let's put an arbitrary number here 25 years from now is this ride here still i think so i'd be pretty shocked if it wasn't i think so possibly with different characters but i think so. i think with they different put characters, they bet yeah. so much on the sequel trilogy and like placing star wars galaxy's edge in the timeline that it is that i don't think if anything, maybe they'll update it, but I don't even know how they would do that. No. Let's just for the sake of argument, throw a monkey wrench in here. Let's say they stop making Star Wars films, which I don't think they're going to. But if they ever did, then do you think there is a possibility it would be replaced? Because that's usually what is the death knoll for other mm-hmm. things. I think Star Wars is always going to like, even if they stop making films in 10, 15 years, they'll start making films again. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's an evergreen. Yeah, that's true. That's it point. is our modern mythology. Yeah. I guess also, I, I think point. another good reason of why this probably is going to be there is they just built a, a Tron ride and everyone loves Tron, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the the major hit Tron legacy. The soundtrack for Tron is so good, though. I love that soundtrack. That really makes the experience. It really so, rips. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. that one day, but. Uh, but I think for this one, I think it's not going to be replaced. It's a pass. I I don't I don't see enough people signing a uh, bring back Thunder Ranch petition anytime soon. Because so, uh, I think you'd have to take away all of Galaxy's Edge if you were ever to get rid of this ride. I think like Peter's saying is like maybe some slight modifications with like characters or updated storylines within the Star Wars universe. But 
I think in terms of as as Kevin Persia would say, like the bones, yeah, <laughs> of the attraction and like <laughs> it being overall a Star Wars experience with the name Rise of the Resistance. Like I, I don't see it. I think it's a pass. I think it's a pass too. I just yeah. there's no way they 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 drop the bag of that 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 they spent on this land because I agree if they were to take this ride out, they'd have to start from scratch with that entire portion of the park, and that is just a massive loss. So I, I think it's a pass. Uh, let's move. On six for six, we're already in debate land, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> test number seven: the signature moment test. Can this ride hold its own without its signature moment? Is it a one-trick pony? Now, this is interesting because this is another one of those attractions where I don't believe there is a distinct uh, signature moment. Yeah. Some candidates: the ATAT room. You know, that's that's up there. Yeah. The reveal. Uh, the the drop. Probably could be up there if you're into thrill. Uh, I would say maybe the Kylo pulling you close to, with the force and then getting the door blasted off behind him. You can take your 10th favorite moment on this ride, throw it on pretty much 90% of all other rides, and it would be the number one signature moment of the ride. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I think that in and of itself. Even the opening of the... But yeah, even op- the opening of the transport doors and you're in the like, that's a signature moment. Yeah, that's true. The Star Destroyer. It's or yeah, you're right. The the reveal of the hangar bay. Yeah. Before you even get on a ride vehicle. I think. Yeah. The, <laughs> how many rides can you say that? Oh, yeah. This moment in the line is better than anything that happens on <laughs> any ride in your park. Apart from Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway with the uh, the screen blowing out, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like, a good one. Yeah. It's, just, it's like pretty much that and this. Um, no, I think this is a, another clear pass. Wow, this is... Is this the first ride to ever go 7 for 7 in the first 7 tests? No, because Mickey and Minnie's got 100%. Oh, you're right. You did get 100%. That's true. Ooh. We do love Mickey and Minnie. <laughs> Anyways, that's, uh, <laughs> that 7 for 7 is already achieved world-class standing, but... In the, for the, Oh, we're going to clap for that, I guess. All right, let's clap for that. Right? But in the, in the uh, interest of seeing how high this baby could fly... We're going to keep going, see where it sits in the annals of other theme park attractions. The last three tests. Let's see if we could go 10 for 10. Number eight. <laughs> I'm, I get embarrassed every time I say this test name, and uh, I, 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 I'm suffering from it now. Okay. Number eight. The premature detraculation test. Does this ride, fin- <laughs> Does this ride finish too soon? No. 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 It's a very satisfying ride. 18 minutes, baby. 18 minutes is a long time. I can't imagine anyone's getting off this and being like, that's it? That's, you'd be an insane person. And, and that climax of <laughs> yeah, that climax of the drop, and then you got your eyes on Beck, you f- found Beck, and then R5 gets, you know, he's a hero, and then you get off, and you're like, so happy. It's like the best ending. It's it's incredible. I, 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 I can't imagine. It's one of the rare attractions where I don't think I would. Like, there are some rides where I like, I don't think it finishes too soon, but I also think, oh, I could use it in a minute or two. Like, I, I would add some stuff. I don't think there's anything I would add to this. Maybe I'm just not creative enough. I just think it's it's perfect. And the, yeah, and then it, like it it's sp- like it spits you out back on Batu seamlessly, and then it kind of feels like your adventure just continues from there. Yeah, it really no, feels like it's it's still going as you walk off the ride. It's incredible. I I mean, this is another pass for me. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's about as big a pass as you can get. I'm gonna assume it's a pass for you too. That's a pass. <laughs> pass. Yeah. <laughs> well, eight for eight. Here we go. Test number nine: the exit hall test. Do you see people be physically excited getting off of this ride? Do they have that bounce in their step? Are they 
laughing? Are they are they clapping? Are they you know excited? Uh, an example. Personally, almost every time that I've ridden this ride, the entire car of people is clapping. I, I was about to say everyone's so excited. The cast members are clapping. You're clapping. You feel so accomplished. <laughs> I will say that yeah, in this particular case, like Kitra just said. Nine times out of ten, I'm almost, I'm I'm and I really do mean that people clap at the end of this ride just because they're so blown away, and that has got to feel amazing. Could you imagine if you were the Imagineer who designed this ride and you could just sit there and watch standing ovation after standing ovation all day? Long? Yeah, it would we, go to your head. You- we actually got off. We we actually got off this ride one time. And Scott Trowbridge was there. Holy shit. Like just, just watching, watching people. Yeah. People getting I, I was like We like shook his hand or yeah. like thank you. I was probably crying. Oh my god. <laughs> that guy probably goes to the park anytime he's having like a bad day or he just like feeling like low on his self worth <laughs> and he's just like, I'm gonna go w- stand at the exit of Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, just just watch thousands of people ride this wave of stoke out of the ride into the rest of the park. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I think it might be one of the highest passers of this test as well. So that's, I mean, I'm, it seems like it's a pass all around. Yes. <laughs> it's a pass. pass. All right. Nine for nine. <laughs> Moving on to test number 10. Can we achieve another perfect score? It's only been done one time on this podcast. This is the fine. Oh, actually, this is going to be interesting. This is the fine wine test. Has this ride aged well? Has your opinion of the attraction appreciated or depreciated since your first experience? Or if it's a newer ride, do you believe it will age well? Now this is the only one where I could see some arguments. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a coward and I'm gonna throw it to people, you guys first. <laughs> throw it to you first. I could see some people that like you know didn't like Rise of Skywalker or didn't like where the sequel trilogy went be like I don't like it because I don't like these characters. But for me, it's still as good as the day I first went on. I it. agree. I don't think it's gotten better. It's definitely gotten worse because. The guns don't, the, the blaster things don't fire. No. But I don't think, uh, I think it's about the same. What do you- I agree with you. But, you know, I loved the sequel trilogy, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the best judge on this. Well, when we're looking at it from just like, I always get wary of rides with this test when it comes to rides that are heavily, heavily reliant on tech of the time. And how much of mm-hmm. like me enjoying the Ooh. attraction is the, you know, very, you know, state of the art tech that I'm seeing and how much of it is actually the storytelling that's happening. And in this particular case, I actually think it is just as much storytelling as it is the tech. I, oh, I, I'm going to pass it to you, Byron. <laughs> Coward. Uh, um, <laughs> all right. I mean, here, here, this one's tough because I mean, it's, I feel like it's near impossible to like, I will never have that same rush that I had the first time I got off this ride. And almost every time I've been on it since there is something missing from that first time that I went on it that isn't functioning. Um, And then I will say, and this is, this is more of like a personal choice. The tension. I think that, there are other Disney attractions that uh, that just um, that hit me harder emotionally 
than this one. I think this is like a very, I always say this is extremely, extremely impressive and it does feel like you're going on your own Star Wars adventure. I don't think any other ride pulls that off the same way, but there are other rides that I have not brought up in this show where my appreciation grows for them because that emotion still always hits the same, if not bigger, every single time I write it. And I don't get that with Rise of the Resistance. Oh, I see. Are you going but where it I think is, you're going? I'm going. I feel I'm, like I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with. And I'm also, I, I can only imagine that in the years to come, there are other rides that are going to come out that are going to have these bells and whistles on a technical uh, on a technological standpoint. And I still think rise of the resistance will be near the top in that regard i think it's going to be re- it's going to take a long time for any ride to best it in terms of all the things that it does but i don't think it'll be as big of a standout going forward and without that emotional punch that i have on other disney attractions i have to give it a fail <laughs> oh, and this is also once again like it is the first time i went on this ride it was absolutely mind-blowing and it's just i don't know how you top that it's almost like it's so it was so good the first time i, I went on this ride the that source it's- material is emotional do you know what i mean like the source material especially what it's trying to mimic in the source material of it being the the third act yes we're trying to escape the death star kind of thing there's not really that emotional bit so i don't think it's like trying to mimic my argument is it's not trying to mimic that of the of the Star Wars movies, it's trying to place yourself in the action adventure excitement. Yes, part of that, and I think I don't think it could be done any better. Is I, I think I I think I would agree with that. I hear what Byron is saying as well. I I will say this: <laughs> I don't want to put my wife on blast, but she yeah. does. Oh, no. She does not care for this ride, though. She, it's not that she doesn't care for. She likes it, but she's like, I don't need to go on that that many more times. It's like she went on it the first like three, four times, and she was like, "It's an amazing ride, technological feat." I, I was completely blown away by some of the twists and turns and the reveals. But once the that is gone and you kind of know what's coming, all you really have to fall back on is just what Byron was saying. Does it have an emotional reaction for me? Is there a story there that moves me? And for her, I bet you she would say no here. So I, I could see where Byron's coming from. Oh man, this is tough. I. What do you think? What do you so think, Kitra? Clap when she. <laughs> for me, it's a pass. I agree with Peter. <laughs> oh man, so that means it falls on on me then. You can make it a hundred percent, man. I will say, I think in, <laughs> I think in thirty years, you go down the line in thirty years, and you ask someone. What are the top five theme park rides in the world? I think this will be one of those top five in 30 years. Oh, man. I don't think so. But that's also because I hope that we just keep getting crazier and crazier rides. Um, But you could. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, agree, I agree with that. I just don't think this particular pat, uh, this test for me. Okay, let me put it. Let's use it through a framing device of another ride we've talked about. Like, let's say uh, you look at something like Space Mountain. It's not the most technologically advanced. It was at the time. It it, but yet it still stands the test of time and it is a bona fide classic. And I wonder why that is. And part of it is because maybe it's you know 
it's part of the yester world of Disneyland lore and has maintained its status since all that time. And it's seen as a classic in the sense of like, you can't imagine Disneyland without it. Whereas rise of the resistance was something that was clearly added to add attendance and isn't inherently to its core Disney. So I could see how that, uh, but, uh, <laughs> I can't. And the thing is, no, I see what you're saying. I can't see Peter and Kitra's face. So like, I could just hear just like them breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I don't know what to, to do here because I, uh, I. <laughs> well, 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 Ryan, here's the here's the other question. If we both give it a pass and you guys both give it a fail, what is, what does that do? I think we would have to say that. I think that might be a nine point five. <laughs> that might have to be a nine point five. I think that's the. We've never really had four people on, so like I think that would have to be a nine point five, or we would have to ask Matt Rial, who has never been on the ride, which is, <laughs> is not gonna. We have to phone a friend here. I, I, I think. I, okay, let me just like just give me a second here. Just, sorry, I know you guys are. Del- just give me you, a second. You know, you set yourself up. You passed it to every other person on this podcast, thinking you could escape. I thought your fate, and you just made it worse. Well, I thought now, you were gonna, all the now I spotlights say, on you. I thought you were going to pass it, Byron. I didn't think it was going to fall on me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just want to say, anybody that's listening to this podcast, you're missing out on Ryan squirming in his seat. It's so so entertaining right now. You should be watching this on YouTube. I okay. The emotional part about it, I will say, I it did evoke emotion for me when I first went on it. But that was also because I'm a major Star Wars fan. And so to see all of the, the things that I'd watched as a kid be so beautifully realized in person really did get an emotional emotional reaction out of me because it was like the perfect sense of nostalgia mixed with thrill. The However, first time. The first time. <laughs> I – does it really matter? Does it really matter? <laughs> <laughs> You, invent, you, 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 invented this test. Okay. you invented the test. I think I I'm gonna I think if I'm being honest with myself, I think there is a fair amount of it that is reliant on the tech. And I think Byron is right in that over time rides will exist like this. It may take a while, but when they do, will this still be seen as something that stands the test of time? Oh God! I I'm gonna f- I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go fail. I think I'm gonna fail it. <gasps> wow! I, think I'm gonna- I will say and I already said this earlier, but like going back to Pooh's Pony Hunt, that ride is how old? And I st- I still think years, it yeah. like lives up. So like in my mind, I'm like this ride. But like, what stands tech, the test of time? Not not the to keep this going, but what tech on this ride do you think in 20 years you're gonna look back and be like? track like, like, I, I picture you being like the kid in back to the future too and be like you had to use your hand it's like a baby's toy like, like <laughs> what, what part of this ride um is that because i don't i mean i i already feel like trackless rides are overused i would agree like, with that yeah yeah I would agree. But, but that's not the wow factor of this ride to me it's not the trackless i don't know no wait no let me <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, that's actually a good point because the wow factor for me is the cannons no longer working. No, the thing the about end. it, like, there are how many uh, trackless dark ride cannon. vehicles already out there? There's at least five that I could think of off the top of my head. There's only going to be more, and yet this is still the superior yeah. one. And I think that's because the pacing is incredible. 
the reveals from show scene to show scene are spectacular. The scale is unmatched. I'm changing it. I'm going to pass it. I'm going to pass it. A hundred percent. I'm going to pass it. Did we guilt him into No, no, this? I don't think so. I just think you made like you made a good argument. And that's honestly the purpose of the guest on this show, which is to fight for the honor of the ride that they are representing. And I have to, I, I, I needed you to say there are already a bunch of trackless dark ride vehicles. And I did not think about it from that perspective. And I think the storytelling and the pacing <laughs> does push it through. And I think that will stand the test of time. So I, I, I feel confident in passing it. I'm going to pass it. I'm passing it. 10 for 10. 10 for 10. It's <laughs> an 100% wow. attraction. Oh, thank God. That was truly stressful for lying. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, that was the worst. That's, that was the worst you felt off giving any answer. To I, this, uh... I, well, I just, I think I got caught in my own web. I really did think you were going to pass it. I did not think it was going to fall on me. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that does it for this episode of uh, For Your Amusement. Thank you all for listening or for watching if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening, make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast five stars. That does help us keep doing this silly little show. And on YouTube, please subscribe. Uh, also, thank you guys, Ordinary Adventures, Peter and Kitra. Thank you for coming on and uh, gracing us with your presence. Is there anything that you guys would like to plug right now before we end this thing? Right now, we have a video series where we went to Japan, we went to Tokyo, Japan, we went to Tokyo <laughs> Disney Sea, which is the greatest theme park. So, if you want to see Pooh's Honey Hunt, Ooh. we'll show it in our videos. <laughs> Just subscribe and watch. Yeah. Also, um, <laughs> I, I, I edited a four-hour documentary on the Galactic Star Cruiser. So, if oh my you God. didn't get to go on it, like, uh, yeah, yeah it, check it, that out. And if you have four hours of <laughs> your time, uh, watch it. It's it nearly our broke our computer to. To I export did. and upload. Wow. <laughs> I'm excited to watch but it. But he did a really good job on it. And we when we got yeah. ordinary adventure fans in the office, namely Adam Bianchi. He loves you guys. <laughs> but uh so oh. uh, uh so, <laughs> thank so you. go ahead and check out their content if you haven't. Uh we'll put the link of that in the description. Or if you're watching this, uh we will have it on screen right now. Mine is just at Kitra for everything and then Ord Adventures for everything. And at Peter Soretta, which you'll probably have to see on screen because I complicated spell yeah i get that <laughs> and then um, I, i'm at ryan bergara and at ryan s bergara on twitter at ryan bergara on instagram there's a ryan bergara in the philippines there's only one other ryan bergara in the world he, t- he took the name <laughs> what the heck i have to kill him anyways byron uh byron's at byron a marin and then we're at fyi pod and everything but that's that thank you guys for coming on and thank you all for watching we'll see you guys next time uh, and maybe we'll have another 10 for 10 but for now take it easy 